Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Cost is a major barrier for many patients when it comes to getting and staying on the medications they're prescribed. Medication assistance programs have been shown to improve access to medications, increase adherence, and can ultimately reduce avoidable healthcare costs. To talk to us about how to start an effective medication assistance program, I'm joined by Chastity Werner, CEO of Nationwide Prescription Connection. Chastity, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Let me start out by asking you this. Medication non-adherence, it's been a problem for some time, but COVID has certainly exacerbated this issue. Can you give us an overview of what's going on now and what providers can expect? Absolutely. I, you know, I think like most things right now, um, this process is kind of on steroids. Um, we, there's a lot of factors and things that we just don't know what we don't know. And one of the things that we're, we do know is the fact that many have lost their employment, which in turn means they've lost their insurance. But what we're not certain of is exactly how many of them have gotten insurance through a spouse or went out to marketplace or other places or qualified for Medicaid or just choosing to go without insurance. What we know is, is that whenever they choose to go without insurance, they're losing their medication coverage as well. And medication is one of the largest cost factors whenever or medication cost is one of the largest factors in non-adherence whenever we look at those things. So what I think that we can expect is that more patients are going to be faced with that difficult decision of choosing to get their medication or pay for their utilities mortgage or groceries. It's where we are today and it's a very unfortunate situation. And what we know is is that whenever they go without their medication that they need, they in turn end up in our EDs or get readmitted and that they end up with poor outcomes. Yeah, and we know that medication assistance programs can certainly be helpful in curbing non-adherence. What's the first step an organization can take to get started with creating an assistance program? Absolutely. The first step is creating that strong program, getting all of your team together and making sure that all of them understand what's out there and available for the patients, showing them how to identify which patients are in need of these programs. So when we look at who should be involved, we should look at involving our providers, our clinicians, our care coordinators, financial assistants, patient access, anybody that can identify which patients may have a need and are impacted by the cost of their medication. It's having those cost conversations that we need to train our team and staff on. Because as you can imagine, these programs, although there's many great accessible programs out there that will allow these patients to get their medication even free for 12 months shipped to their home, and these programs have been around for a long period of time, 
in order to be able to get those patients on those programs and approved, we have to identify, which means cost conversations, talking to the patients and letting them know if they're having issues with paying for the medication, that there are programs out there and available. Once you've trained your team to that, do those things, then you really have to create a great marketing program to spread the word and make sure patients are comfortable with saying that they cannot afford their medication. One of the other biggest areas too is giving our teams the access resources and tools to be able to identify when they're prescribing the medication for the patient, what that cost is gonna be for the patient. Because what we have to remember is, is at the point of discharge or whenever a patient is coming in for a visit and they're identifying that all of a sudden they've been diagnosed with a cancer or diabetes or something of that nature, we're giving them so much information. And they're also just overwhelmed with this abundance of information. And then we're giving them a list of medications that they need to go and have filled. Well, what we lack a lot of times at the point of prescribing those medications is to be able to explain to the patient what it's gonna cost them. So many times the patients do not realize what that cost is gonna be until they get to the pharmacy. And at that point, they're, say it's Eliquis or one of the most popular medications that's out there today. They're going up to the pharmacy, they're handing their list of medications that they need to get filled, and then they're finding out that they're going to have a $500, $600, or $1,000 on a pocket. Well, they may choose at that point to get it filled the first time, but they may also have the factor that they can't afford it and they just vacate and walk away. So it's really the first steps in creating a strong program is getting everybody involved and explaining what's out there and accessible and then training them to have those cost conversations and getting the word out. And what are some of the obstacles providers can expect to face as they implement a program? Absolutely. The biggest obstacles is identifying the patients. You know, um, there's a lot of great flexibility with these programs to where it ranges um, for the full assistance program where a patient can actually get approved and get their medication from a pharmaceutical program shipped directly to their home for free for 12 months. Um, they have great flexibility in the fact that they can be anywhere up to like 500% of the federal, federal poverty level. So when you're looking at a family of four, you're looking at, and give or take, an average income of $100,000 for the household. So whenever we're talking about this base of patients, it's patients that aren't used to being able to qualify for assistance. They, you know, they probably worked very hard their whole lives and, and not used to having things out there for free and accessible to them. So one of the biggest obstacles is identifying those patients. And it really goes back to having those touch points and talking to the patients. Then the next probably largest, largest obstacle I would say is getting the team together and investing in the human capital on our side to ensure that we've set this program up right. Like we've trained a team to identify all of the available programs, know what those programs require from an application standpoint and process standpoint. And we've invested our team into helping those patients get through the process in its entirety. It's kind of similar to when we're looking at like a revenue cycle claim. Um, you know, imagine if our billing department's 
required our patients to file that claim with their insurance and our revenue was dependent upon that. We wouldn't do that because there's so many different steps and pieces with it. The patients would get overwhelmed and we would lack revenue. What's well, similar to that with this, there's a lot of steps that are required in completing an application with, you know, diagnosis code and the dosage and the quantity of medications. You a lot of times have to submit financial documents and proof and then submit that into these programs and then follow up with the programs to ensure they've successfully processed that patient's application. When we put that in the hands of our patients, they get overwhelmed and many times are unable to complete that process because they just don't know how to make the next step. But if we can help them through that process, invest our team into working with those patients on an individual standpoint and ensuring that they are approved for these programs, then those patients can end up saving thousands of dollars a month, they can get their medication, their insulins, their aliquis, their entrestos, and all of those shipped directly to their home. When you think about it, um, with medication adherence, non-adherence, there's really two factors to it. There's behavioral, which is where the patient doesn't have a cost factor to it. They're just choosing not to not take it the way it's prescribed. And then there's cost-related. Cost-related is for our indigent patients, but it also is for our individuals that that have a great income, but they have a, a high deductible health plan. And they're looking at having to spend $1,000 a month. They don't realize that there's a copay savings program or something of that nature out there. And they just don't know what next steps to do. So when it comes to the largest obstacles, it's really identifying the patients, investing on our side to ensure the process is successfully completed, and helping the patients through that process. Chastity, let's switch gears and talk about pharmacists for a minute. What role do they play in the process? In my opinion, the pharmacist should really be that safety net, the last step in this. Um, when we're looking at this, by the point that the patient has made it to the pharmacy, they have, should have already known and heard that there are, are medication assistance programs out there and available. Because the problem is, is if we wait until the patient gets to the pharmacy, many times patients just vacate that prescription and end up not getting it filled. So especially if the patients are going to various pharmacies that are, say, outside of our facilities, like a, a Walgreens or CVS or something of that nature. There's not financial gain for those organizations to complete applications and help the patients get free medication. So when we look at as healthcare providers and the pharmacy role, it should really be to the point that the patient gets to that pharmacy. We have built strong relationships with the pharmacy to where the pharmacist and the pharmacy teams know that if the patient cannot afford the medication, they refer them back to us so that we can help them get onto a medication assistance program. One of the things that I have learned, which is interesting, is, you know, similar to our hospitals getting penalized from readmissions, pharmacies get penalized um, in with the Medicare programs um, from the aspect that if the patient is not adherent to their medication, they will get penalized for that as well. So as healthcare facilities, we should build strong relationships with the pharmacy to ensure success on both sides. It's kind of amazing because many times in the pharmacists that I've spoke to, 
they do feel helpless in the fact that they're the ones that are telling the patient what their medication cost is going to be. And when the patient cannot afford it, they've experienced the patients, you know, even crying or having tears and they see the, the look on their face whenever they're realizing the financial impact of taking this medication that they know that they need. Um, so I think that in building those relationships, you have a great opportunity to not only improve the patient's life and outcomes, but have a great marketing aspect with it. Chastity, how do you measure the success of a medication assistance program? Absolutely. So there's many different ways that you can measure your success. Um, I think one of the greatest ways to measure the success of a, a successful medication assistance program is by looking at the data in regards to your patient outcomes. Are they improving? Look at the high utilizers of your ED and your high readmits and looking at their medication adherence. Are you tracking the, whether your patients are actually going and getting the refills on a timely basis? And looking at your uncompensated and your charity care costs. We have a great opportunity, especially when you look at your patients that are in financial assistance. They, majority of them, if they qualify for financial assistance, they're going to qualify for a medication assistance program. When you look at your self-pay population and your self-pay, when most of them will also qualify as well. And if you're able to get them on a medication assistance program and save on their medication costs, then that will allow them to have more funds to actually pay their, their medical bills and pay towards those self-pay accounts. We also want to look at patient testimonies. Organizations have an amazing opportunity to tell a powerful story. I kid you not, whenever you're teams get in there and they really start to work with patients and they hear how much this has been a, become a relief to your patients and how much it has impacted their lives. It's allowing them now to get groceries or pay the rent or become adherent on their medication, you know, um, process whenever that's all they really wanted to do, but they didn't know how to do it. Um, we also look at the total number of savings that we do by patient, the total number that we've gotten approved. We look at our ED volume and seeing, pulling it and reconciling it to the medications that those individuals are on and seeing how many we've successfully uh, been able to get through those programs. We also want to look at our not unresponsive rate, unfortunately, too. One of the biggest things that we run into with the patients is, unfortunately, you can have as many programs available as possible, but um, you can only do so much to try to get the patient on the programs and approve for it. And a minute ago, uh, you mentioned Medicare. So is it safe to assume that Medicare patients qualify for these types of programs? Absolutely. Um, one of the, the biggest areas of confusion I think that we run into is, is that um, organizations believe that Medicare and Medicaid patients cannot qualify for these programs. And there is some truth in certain areas, uh, but with Medicare and Medicaid, 
let me kind of take those in two separate areas, Medicare patients, the patients that hit the donut hole. There are a couple of additional steps and it's program dependent that you do have to do, like you have to submit an expense report from the pharmacy to reflect that the patient has um, spent 2% or 4% of the household's income and some of those different pieces, but they can still qualify. We've had great success rates with Medicare patients. And with Medicaid patients, if the Medicaid program does not cover the medication, then they can also get approved for full assistance as well. Um, in, in some cases, obviously there's no guarantee. Every program varies in their criteria and, and all of those different things as we know, but you can submit the denials and different pieces and get that patient on that medication because even though there's a lot of great generic opportunities out there, we all know as healthcare providers, certain medications only seem to have a certain success rate with patients, especially in our mental health, bipolar, and those areas. Um, with that's with the full assistance programs. Now, copayment savings programs, that is strictly with your commercial patients, and Medicare and Medicaid patients do not qualify for those. But as I said, Medicare and Medicaid patients can qualify for full prescription assistance programs if you if you do the right steps. All right. Thanks for clearing that up for us. Chastity, if someone wanted to find out more about Nationwide Prescription Connection and what you do there, where can they go? And they can go to our website, which is www.npc-meds.com, or they can also contact me directly um, at Warner, W-E-R-N-E-R, -E -E at npc-meds.com. During the COVID times, we are offering trials out to um, certain members and so forth. So we would love the opportunity to share our services or help in any manner that we can. Chastity Werner, thanks for coming by the podcast today and helping us understand more about medication assistance programs. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the Hospital Finance Podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest, drop us a line at update at Bessler.com. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.